anything? Nope. No. I think I'm planning to go to Utah today. Oh, good. Yeah, All right. Are you ready? You and uh, you and Fernando or Francisco. I mean, uh, Francisco, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's already there though, so I, I'm gonna drive by myself. on the Enlightenment by Richie Rich Robertson. Tell me what you think, Richie. have not been dipped in the right fashion because I eat flesh upon the road or some other food which agrees with my stomach. But the common core was gradually whittled down. Early Enlighteners suggested that even some of the central dogmas of Christianity might be treated as adiaphora, leaving what the 18th century called natural religion, which Matthew Tyndall in 1730 offered as a basis for toleration. By natural religion, I understand the belief of the existence of a god, and the sense and practice of those duties which result from the knowledge we, by our reason, have of him, and his perfections, and of ourselves, and our own imperfections, and of the relation we stand in to him, and to our fellow creatures, so that the religion of nature takes in everything that is founded on the reason and nature of things. This could... It does. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Jose, he, he posted a post. He said, there is a difference between a goal and an intention. A goal is just a destination, while an intention is the journey and destination. The power of intention manifests both the cause and effect. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would, I would say that would correspond with my understanding of uh, purpose and mission. That would be your intention. And the goal is particular steps that you would take in order to fulfill that. And what, what one's better? Well, it's not a matter of one being better. It's, it's that one serves. Goals serve to effectuate the, the intention. Mm -hmm. yeah, if, for example, if you, want to be, if you want to be in the flow, that would be your intention. But you would, you would set certain goals, certain goals in terms of practice, number of shots and the number of hours and the number of push-ups and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Those would be the goals that you would set in order to facilitate your intention. Yeah, does it? No. Extends to non-Christians. In the notorious 15th chapter of Jean-Francois Marmontel's moral tale, Belle Isère, 1767, which attracted the severe censure of the church, the hero, a nominal Christian, affirms that the virtuous pagan emperors Titus, Trajan, and the Antonines will be encountered in heaven. God has given us two guides, faith and sentiment. But Marmontel repeatedly suggests that the latter trumps the former. Public order depends on innate moral sentiments, which do not come from revelation, while the mysterious truths that we would not have known without revelation have nothing to do with morality. God has detached them from the chain of our duties, so that without revelation, there should be decent people, gens, everywhere. Another increasingly popular argument was that in religious matters, no one can be certain of the truth, and therefore no one has the right to attack anyone else for their opinion. This argument has been traced back to the Calvinist Sebastian Castello, who, in 1554, attacked Calvin for presumption, as well as cruelty, in burning Michael Servetus for holding opinions that no one could be absolutely sure about. In the vast spaces of error, says Marmontel's Belisaire, Truth is only a point. Who has found this unique point? Everyone claims to have done so, 
but on what evidence? Lessing, in 1778, maintained that nobody could know, nor should even want to know, the absolute truth, which was reserved for God. Let everyone say what he thinks is the truth, and let God take care of the truth itself. What is proposed here, however, is not exactly a tolerant attitude. For if everyone is uncertain, then everybody's belief. What was that? What, 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 what did he say? I didn't catch that. substance are held in the same tentative manner it is a greater challenge to be convinced of one's own beliefs and put up with other people's different but equally strong convictions most often however we find pleas for toleration using pragmatic or consequentialist arguments rather than claiming that toleration is good in itself it is claimed that it will bring peace and prosperity as Voltaire and many others repeatedly pointed out the Dutch Republic the most tolerant state in Western Europe in the 17th century was also among the most prosperous it had defeated Spain, England, and France in war, and it was a flourishing commercial society that offered a striking contrast with the poverty of Catholic Spain. William Penn, in 1670, pleaded for such a liberty of conscience as preserves the nation in peace, trade, and commerce. Voltaire, in his letters concerning the English nation, drew attention to the interplay between trade and civil liberty in Britain, and to the practical toleration, which meant that not only different varieties of Christian but also Jews and Muslims could do business together at the Royal Exchange. Yet with a very few exceptions, such as Spinoza and Bell, all who argued for toleration and pursued enlightenment... It does? Yeah, well... I think what he's suggesting is that when you no longer think in terms of right or wrong or inside or outside or good or bad, then... You're, you're 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 more in the flow, and the things work out better for you. But if you're all, always engaged in in arguing who's right and who's wrong, and I'm right and I'm superior and you're inferior, then you're diverting your energies into into useless um, expenditures. Yeah, it doesn't. No. Its policies were still assuming that toleration meant putting up humanely but more or less reluctantly with people whose religious views were different probably erroneous and who should ideally come round to the majority opinion they had not yet arrived at the acceptance of religious difference for its own sake on the basis of equal human rights to see how the 18th century came to such acceptance however let us look briefly at four important writers famous for their tolerant outlooks Bell, Voltaire, Lessing and Goethe Bell. Pierre Bell is not only a spokesman for toleration, but one of the most attractive and intriguing figures of the Enlightenment. A Huguenot, he briefly attended the Jesuit College at Toulouse, which took in Protestant day boys. From the Jesuits, Bell, like Voltaire later, received an excellent education, but he was also induced to convert to Catholicism. He does? Let's do a different one. Yeah, what were you okay. saying? He's using toleration not as a way of saying, okay, you can have whatever opinion you have. It's, he's, th he's thinking of toleration more in terms of uh, I, I will grant you and respect you the right to see things the way you see them because we 
see through a mirror darkly, and only God can see the truth. Yeah, does it? of Stoicism that made it so influential for so long, especially in the Roman world. The fundamental Stoic idea in ethics... But then there's an interesting thing with, like, the Hindus where they'll have, like, you know, Sai Baba, who's, who they claim, you know, he was a man, but they claim he was the avatar of Allah or the avatar of Vishnu or whatever, and they say that he knows everything, and he's a man. Like, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I gave you the, the ch ch Chamrita Sai Baba and stuff, right? You, you could Yeah. I sent you that, right? Did you read it? Or? Not yet. But it doesn't? No. So do you deny that he knows everything? Well, see, it's certainly possible that a person could know everything and at the same time, like Emerson said, you you still miswrite the poem. In other words, we don't have the language. Intellectual language is not adequate to clearly reveal the truth. You can the intellect and 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 language can only point to it. Yeah, doesn't. that happiness, which they agreed is the end or goal, telos of life, consists in living in accordance with nature. What is in accordance with nature is what is good. The good is what benefits us in all circumstances, unlike things which are only good in some circumstances and not in others, for example wealth. Things that are sometimes good and sometimes bad, the Stoics called indifference. The things that are always good are the virtues of prudence, courage, moderation, and justice. Given that wealth... It does. the order you depend on the byproduct that is that is happiness or or is to find happiness as a conscious awareness of being in harmony with god yeah it doesn't no. can sometimes be good though it is not an unqualified good like prudence we need to distinguish between what is good as such and what can sometimes have value axia Things which have value can be preferred over their opposites. Wealth, health, and honor can be preferred to poverty, illness, and dishonor, because they are usually of advantage to us, or appropriate, ekion, for us. And as such, we have a natural tendency to seek them. But if they interfere with the realization of what is holy and unqualifiedly good, they are, of course, not to be preferred to it. Living well consists in rationally choosing those things that are good, and those things that are appropriate when consistent with things that are good, and the choices will be governed by seeking to conform to nature. It may well be that we do not succeed in achieving certain of the indifference which we rationally and appropriately pursue, such as wealth, but if we have what is good, courage, prudence, moderation, we will still be happy. An important aspect of this is the idea that what lies within our own control, for example, our appetites, desires and fears, we should seek to master. But as to what lies beyond our control, those things we can do nothing about, such as aging or suffering because of an illness or earthquake. We must face them with courage. The differences between action and passion. Action is what we do. Passion is what we undergo or suffer as recipients without a choice. To bear the passions, pathe, 
courageously means not letting them master us. We must be apathetic with... It does. Not let our circumstances overwhelm us or, or rule us. With regard to them, that is the original meaning of this term. The ancients also thought that emotions we now regard as active ones, such as love and anger, and to which we give the name of passions, were indeed truly so in the sense of their being inflicted on us as passive recipients of them. The passion of erotic desire, lust, was thought to be an infliction, even a punishment from the gods. Excessive versions of the passions are disobedient to reason, and it is necessary to school oneself to be ready for them, so that one can be, well, stoical about them. Unlike the more technical and difficult philosophies of Plato and Aristotle, and unlike the practically unlivable, if entertaining, example provided by the cynics, Stoicism was immediately applauded by the Athenian public. A statue was raised to Zeno, and its inscription included the words, Zeno of Citium was a man of worth, exhorting the... Here he does. Youth who were his pupils to virtue and temperance. Afford... What do you think about the idea of the difference between the passion and the reason and all that? Here he does. still not real clear what his understanding or his meaning of passion what he sees is is, is passion yeah, you know, is it simply an emotion is it simply an urge or is it an intention it's not clear yeah, no by his own conduct a pattern in perfect accord with his teachings it was a popular philosophy, and it received widespread recognition, including among its admirers, the king of Macedon, Antigonus II Gonatus, who, as a young man, had attended Zeno's lectures in Athens, and who wished Zeno to come to Macedon to tutor his son. Cleomenes III of Sparta introduced reforms in line with Stoic teaching, and by the first century BCE, it had become a significant part of patrician education in Rome. Octavian, who became the Emperor Augustus, had the Stoic Athenodorus Calvus as his tutor when he was young. In the first two centuries CE, the three leading Stoics were Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, who wrote in Greek, and Seneca, who wrote in Latin. Whereas Epictetus taught and Seneca published, Aurelius did neither. His statement of a Stoic outlook in his To Himself, now known as the Meditations, was a private diary written while he was with his army on the troubled and dangerous Danube frontier in the years 170 to 80 CE. The desire for privacy was his reason for writing in Greek. The humanity and stoic dedication to service exemplified in his book have been admired ever since. Epictetus was born a slave in Phrygia. His name, in effect, means bought or owned. He was taken to Rome in early life, where his owner, himself a former slave who had served the emperor Nero, allowed him to study philosophy with the stoic Musonius Rufus. After he had gained his freedom, Epictetus set up as a teacher. In 93 CE, the Emperor Domitian prescribed philosophy in Rome and banished the philosophers, whereupon Epictetus moved to Nicopolis in Greece and established a school. He wrote nothing himself, but his teachings have been preserved in the Discourses and, for a more popular readership, in the Enchiridion handbook by his pupil Arian. Self-knowledge and self-mastery... It does. ...are the key ideas in Epictetus. He argued that the distinction between what is within our power and what lies outside our power shows where the good is to be found, namely, within ourselves. Our use of reason and our freedom to choose allow us to evaluate the experiences we have and to ask ourselves, can I do something about this? If the answer is yes, then act. If the answer is no, then say, it is nothing to me.
This is the apathia connoted in the idea of bearing with, being stoical about, the unavoidable or inevitable. Everything turns on our attitudes, which lie under our own control, guided by reason. Acceptance of inevitabilities is freedom. It is the price paid for a quiet mind. There is something of fatalism in Epictetus's teeth. It does. Yeah. In other words, don't create a story about the inevitable and the unavoidable. Just stoically say it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. Yeah, it does. Ask not that events should happen as you will, but let your will be that events should happen as they do, and you shall be at peace. Behave in life as you would at a banquet. A dish is handed round and comes to you. Put out your hand and take politely. It passes you. Do not stop it. It has not reached you. Do not be impatient to get it, but wait until your turn comes. Remember that foul words and blows are no outrage in themselves. It is your judgment that they are so that makes them so. When anyone makes you angry, it is your own thought that has angered you. Therefore, make sure not to let your impressions carry you away. Seneca the Younger was born in Spain in 4 BCE and became a senator and advisor to the Emperor Nero in Rome. His efforts to mitigate the increasing cruelty of Nero's rule failed, so he twice tried to retire, but the Emperor refused to let him go. Eventually, he was implicated in the Pisonian plot to assassinate Nero, and his punishment was an order to commit suicide, which he did. This occurred in 65 CE. The historian Tacitus gives a graphic account of the occasion. Because of his age and condition, Seneca was unable to bleed to death effectively. He does. After cutting open several veins, the blood flowed too thinly and weakly. And so he took poison as well, eventually immersing himself in a hot bath to speed the blood loss. Tacitus says that he was suffocated by the steam. Seneca's works included essays, moral letters. He does that him killing himself and he does it. his sentence and so he carried it out it is what it is yeah i feel like you know it'd probably be best to try to just get get out of there you know fuck that it doesn't yeah all right well see that that's that was not that was the order they depended on in that day was rising and Roman instead of African and flat, and his behavior this is, was this, more is a this is a different book. This is on uh, the slavery. Ready? Civilized according to the European mode than any other had been. Bain framed Orinoco as a heroic noble savage, superior to Europeans in his ignorance, in his innocence, in his harmlessness, and in his capacity for learning from Europeans. And in true assimilationist fashion, one of the characters insists a Negro can change color. For I have seen him as frequently blush and look pale, and that as visibly as I ever saw in the most beautiful white. Richard Baxter endorsed the London edition of Cotton Mather's other 1689 publication, his first book-length work, which became a bestseller, Memorable Providences, relating to witchcrafts and possessions. Baxter rejoiced, having influenced the young Mather at someone likely to prove so great a master building in the Lord's work. Mather's treatise, outlining the symptoms of witchcraft, reflected his crusade against the enemies of white souls. He could not stop preaching about the existence of the devil and witches, or perhaps the relentless of the commoners in the aftermath of the 1689 revolt triggered the real obsession in Cotton Mather. The revolt indeed had fueled public strife against not only the faraway British king. Hey, what do you think about that revolt? I mean, that that's better than like cut, cutting yourself, right? Or it does. No, I I haven't seen the connection yet. 
but also Puritan rulers of matters. Well, I mean, they're not following the order, right? Apparently. Is that a good thing, or? Well, I don't know. It's, see, I, I haven't gotten into this idea yet. Sure. Maybe Mather was consciously attempting to redirect the public's anger away from elites and toward invisible demons. He did regularly preach that anyone and anything that criticizes English Israel must be led by the devil. Long before egalitarian rebels in America started to be cast off as extremists, criminals, radicals, outsiders, communists, or terrorists, Mather's community of ministers ostracized egalitarian rebels as devils and witches. How many doleful wretches have been decoyed into witchcraft, Cotton Mather asked in 1691. His father, Increase, preached a lengthy series on devils in 1693 after returning from England with a new Massachusetts charter. Samuel Paris, a Salem minister, preached endlessly about the devils in their midst. And on one dismal day in February 1692, Paris anxiously watched his nine-year-old daughter and 11-year-old niece suffer chokes, convulsions, and pinches. As their condition worsened each day, the ministers worsened too. It dawned on Paris, the girls had been bewitched. While prayers rose up like kites in Salem and nearby towns, the Salem witch hunt began. The number of afflicted and accused spread over the next few months, swelling the public uproar and turning public attention from political to religious strife. And in nearly every instance, the devil who was preying upon innocent white Puritans was described as black. One Puritan accuser described the devil as a little black-bearded man. Another saw a black thing of a considerable bigness. A black thing jumped in one man's window. The body was like that of a monk. Hey, thoughts? That's a, that's a strange phenomenon. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess apparently, like, because they were afraid of the Indians, too, they thought of the devil as, like, an Indian, you know? And, you know, may, maybe that's what was a part of the, like, Salem crazes and stuff was they needed to reinforce their religion because it reinforced their desire to fight the enemy, which you see, like, everywhere. Like, you see it in Israel where people become more fundamentalist religious in order to fight the enemy, you know, or you see it all the all the time. And in that place, it was like, you know, they, they became more religious. And even, like, the women, I think the women in the Salem Witch Projects or trials, I think that they intentionally became witches and stuff to re-cement their religion and re-cement the bad guy, that there's a bad guy, the, the Indians, the, the devil, you know, and that reinforced gets them more stuck into themselves to fight. Like, any thoughts? Yeah, that's a very good analysis. Any thoughts, huh? Yeah. He, the observer added, the feet like a cox, but the face much like a man. Criminals in New England were said to be the devil's operatives. The Salem witch hunt ascribed a black face to criminality, an ascription that remains to this day. Cotton Mather's friends were appointed judges, including merchant John Richards, who had just officiated at Mather's wedding. In a letter to Richards on May 31st, 1692, Mather expressed his support for capital punishment. The Richards court executed Bridget Bishop on June 10th, the first of more than 20 accused witches to die. The accused up north in Andover, Massachusetts, confessed that the black devil man compelled them to renounce their baptism and sign his book. They rode poles to meetings where as many as 500 witches plotted to destroy New England, the accused confessed. Hearing about this, Cotton Mather sniffed out a hellish design of bewitching and ruining our land. Mather ventured to Salem for the first time to witness the executions on August 19, 1692. He came to see the killing of George Burroughs, the supposed general of the black devil's New England army of witches. Barrows preached Anabaptist ideas of religious equality on the northern frontier, the kind of ideas that had bred anti-racism in Germantown. Mather watched Barrows plead his innocence at the execution site and stir the very great number of spectators when he recited the Lord's Prayer, something the judges said witches could not do. Hey, thus? Yeah. It's like, a, it's like the mental illness, like the psychi psychiatrist, like, oh, uh, 
Like it's kind of, the witch trials are kind of like the mental illness trials where the where the psychiatrist determines you're mentally ill and you can't really do anything about it, right? And then they get makes you take medicine. Like any thoughts on that? All right, and then here's a. Uh, you want to do any more of that one or? Right, here's Leonardo da Vinci one. By March 1503, he was settled back in Florence and withdrawing money from his bank account at the hospital of Santa Maria Nuova. Save me from strife and battle, a most beastly madness, Leonardo once wrote. Yet for eight months, he had put himself at Borgia's service and traveled with his armies. Why would a person whose notebook aphorisms decry killing and whose personal morality led him to be a vegetarian go to work for the most brutal murderer of the era? Partly, this choice reflects Leonardo's pragmatism. In a land with... It does. No. The Medici, Sforzas, and Borgias jostled for power. Leonardo was able to time his patronage affiliations well and know when to move on. But there is more. Even as he remained aloof from most current events, he seemed to be attracted to power. It would take a Freudian analyst to explain Leonardo's affinity for attaching himself to strong men, and once again Freud himself tried to do so. He believed that Leonardo gravitated to them as substitutes for the manly but often absent father of his childhood. Any thoughts? Do you think that's true or do you think that's cause and effect or any thoughts? Well, it's, it certainly is cause and effect. So in that sense, it's true, yes. So do you think that's true like because, he, because of his father that made him gravitate toward the those men who were... Yeah, any thoughts on that? Yeah. A simple explanation Leonardo, who had just turned 50, had dreamed for more than two decades of being a military engineer. As Isabella d'Este's agent reported, he was tired of painting. Borgia had just turned 26. He combined bravado and elegance. This lord is truly splendid and magnificent, and in war there is no enterprise so great that it does not seem small to him, Machiavelli wrote after meeting him. Indifferent to the shifting political agendas of Italy, yet attracted to military engineering and strong men, Leonardo had a chance to live out his military fantasies, which he did, until he realized they could become nightmares. Chapter 24. Hydraulic Engineer. Diverting the Arno. In his job application to Ludovico Sforza, Leonardo had... Hey, it does. No. ...boasted of his talent for guiding water from one place to another. That was, at best, an exaggeration. Let's let's do that Bible and the psyche one. These basic ideas underlying ritual sacrifice are very important for the understanding of the ego's relation to the self. Let us consider them each in turn. One, sacrifice is payment. The primitive mind is directly aware by experiential certainty that a transpersonal factor influences human existence. Modern man also reaches this awareness as, an, as a result of an encounter with the unconscious, which activates the deeper layers of the psyche. With this awareness comes the realization that the other in oneself requires attention and consideration. One's own well-being is linked to the other. This attention given to the unconscious is equivalent 
to the primitive idea of sacrifice as payment. Two, sacrifice is atonement for sin. When the ego violates the requirements of totality, or when it claims for itself the prerogatives of the self, it is in a state of psychological sin and will bring down on its own head consequences that may be experienced as punitive. This is not to say that we are dealing with a moral issue necessarily. If one violates the law of gravity, one falls. It does? No. So it is if one violates the law of the psyche. Restitution is required for such mistakes to restore the balance. Three, sacrifice is the feeding of God. The self requires the continual attention of the ego in order to come into manifest existence. It needs to be fed by a religious attitude, which Jung defines as, quote, the attitude peculiar to a consciousness which has been changed by experience of the numinosum, unquote. Four, sacrifice as a feeding off God. Not only is the self nourished by the careful consideration it receives from the ego, but the ego is also fed by its connection to the self. We cannot exist on our own. Every moment and every act is allowed to exist only through the support and cooperation of the unconscious. The realization of this fact is one of the sources of the religious attitude. In the mosaic ritual, an animal is offered in sacrifice. Psychologically, an animal refers to instinctual libido or desirousness. In order to be available for sacrifice, such desirous in order to be available for sacrifice, such desirousness must be first of all under the control of the ego. One must achieve the ability to renounce what one desires. In a sense, the whole mosaic law is an instrument to help man gain control of his instinctual desirousness. As the ego develops, it begins to experience the energies of instinct and desire as its own responsibility. As an inner spirit figure crystallizes, a counterpole of mere nature, the ego begins to feel guilty for its unbridled desirousness. This is not just a consequence of the superego, but also derives from the self, which is yearning for transformation. As the ego sacrifices desirousness, it is at the same time contributing to the transformation and humanization of God. Hey, does it? Yeah, I guess what he's saying is as the as the the awareness of self and as the self image becomes stronger, it begins to recognize its desire for transcending itself. Yeah, it doesn't. No. Nice to see you, Sunanda. Okay, so the next part of this chapter six is the Ten Commandments. So there's much more we have to read. Five more pages. The Ten Commandments. In addition to specifying the details of ritual sacrifice, the chief content of the Theophany on Sinai is the Decalogue, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. With the advent of depth psychology, the time has come to consider this cornerstone of the Western psyche from the psychological rather than the literal standpoint. We must now ask, what do the Ten Commandments mean psychologically? One, you shall have no gods except me. This is the origin of monotheism and of supreme importance psychologically. It announces the fact that the self is a unity and not a multiplicity. This is the basis of the responsibility and integrity of the individual, for only an integer is capable of integrity. Responsible consciousness can be carried only by a centered personality, <clears throat> which is an indivisible individual unity. Psychopathology offers us many examples of psychic dissociation in which a unified center is missing, notably chronic alcoholism and drug addiction. Hey, Grandpa, can, can I call you back in like uh, 10 minutes after the guy's done uh, doing the lawnmower stuff? Yeah. Okay, thanks.
shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. He does. Okay, you can't you can't describe God as the ultimate reality. Huh? There's no name adequate. No, there is a name. There is a name. It's Y H W and H. He didn't say anything about a name. Yes, he did. No, he said don't make any images. Don't make any uh. That's the, that's he, he said, don't that's make what, any idols. He said, don't make any idols of anything below the earth or beneath. He didn't say anything about a name. That's what a name is. Not really. He says he says in many places in the Bible, my name is Tetragrammaton. This is my name. He never says anything about don't name me. He says his name over and over again. The, his name is mentioned more like 700 something times. He says, anybody who calls upon my name will be saved. And, he, and it's not calls upon my name. It's calls upon Tetragrammaton will be saved. Okay. What, he, what he said here is don't make any idols, I, 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 images. He said graven images of anything below or above. Want me to, to rewind it? No, I know exactly what it said. I made yeah. it in Old Testament. I know exactly yeah, what no, it so, says. No, no, so, so, so what it's saying is is that that would be like se separation dualistic of a, of a separate thing, but everything is a quadrant model. Everything is a tetragrammaton. And it's not that. That would just be one aspect. Let's say you worship the, 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 you know, the, the giraffe. Well, there's four species of giraffe. There's, you know, different in terms of animals, there's, you know, everything is the quadrant. Most things are, are presented in that. That's what the, what, that's what God is. But, you know, it's a tetragrammaton, that, that fourfold pattern, the Om. You know, even in the, in the, in the Hindu scriptures, they say the name is the Om. That's what it is. That's what God is. He says, you know, Krishna says, I am the Om. You know, the, the, the Vedas say that God is the Om. A U M in silence, the fourfold. But what I'm saying is that he didn't say anything about a name. He said, "Don't make any like idols." But but even that, it's it's just idea of you know you would say that'd be self-confirmatory because it'd be like yourself and the idol and stuff. When really the qu the quadrant, it's a oneness. Like any thoughts on that? No. Two ideas are intermixed here, the making of images, imagination, and idolatry. For ancient man, the making of an image must have had such a powerful effect on the unconscious that the image immediately became an idol, evoking projection of divine or magical powers. Psychologically, idolatry means the worship of one archetypal aspect and power of the unconscious at the expense of the whole. The ego almost always... Yeah, maybe don't worship like, you know, but they say like Yeshua, that's salvation. Or something you know, like that, or like Krishna. That means like salvation. So that's a powerful name. But like, don't worship like kangaroo, or you know, dog. Like, yeah, those are names. But but tetragrammaton. That name is points to the fourfold. Like, any thoughts? No. I'm just saying he didn't say anything about don't don't say anything about a name right there. And before that, he probably you know mentioned his name like 500 times. 
develops out of an initial state of idolatry. One psychic function is granted preeminence, and the value of the whole is carried by that one function, which in effect becomes an idol. You see, like, like you think it's energy and stuff, but but in the Bible, God doesn't say like I am the Lord. No, he says I. I... No, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, no, no. Whatever, or or consciousness, or whatever. But he says I am tetragrammaton. He's not saying I am the Lord. He says I am tetragrammaton, Y H W N H. Even in the Quran, it's not like I am God. It's I am A-L-L-H. That's specific. That's a specific name. Any thoughts? No. Again, it's a fourfold name. As Jung says, quote, Mephistopheles is the diabolical aspect of every psychic function that has broken loose from the hierarchy of the total psyche and now enjoys independence and absolute power, unquote. This commandment forbids idolatry, that is, the worship of a part for the whole. In addition to idolatry, the commandment also forbids image-making. This means that imagination itself is interdicted, and no spontaneous conscious... Hey, no. ...with the unconscious is allowed. Thus was erected a psychic incest taboo. Evidently, the danger of succumbing to the regression pull of the unconscious is so great at that stage of ego development that fantasy and all the powers of the imagination must be suppressed. As part of nature, the imagination was linked with the fertility rites and the religion of the Great Mother, which the spiritual religion of Yahweh was replacing. Modern individuals, in an effort to unite the opposites which Yahwehism separated, must have a different attitude to imagination and to image-making, just as they strive to reconcile the masculine and feminine principles which Yahweh sundered. So they seek to so they seek to combine the unitary principle of the spirit with the multiple facets of the creative imagination, as exemplified by ancient polytheism. Three. You shall not utter the name of Yahweh your God to misuse it, for Yahweh will not leave unpunished the man who utters his name to misuse it. This apparently refers to the false swearing of an oath in which one invokes God's name to guarantee the truth of a statement. Hey, Doss. Zedekiah is a terrible example of the violation of this commandment. 2 Chronicles 36.13 Psychologically, one can understand an oath invoking the name of God to refer to the claim that one is in harmony with the self. See, an oath in the name of God, like any thoughts there? No. The presumptuous assumption that one is operating out of wholeness. This is a dangerous disregard for the reality of the shadow and of the other in the unconscious. Christ revises this commandment in Matthew 5:33-37. Quote, you have learned how it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but must fulfill your oath to the Lord. But I say this to you, do not swear at all. All you need to say is yes if you mean yes, no if you mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. 4. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as Yahweh your God has commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for Yahweh your God. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all these hold, and all that these hold. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why Yahweh has blessed the Sabbath day and made it sacred. The seven-day week, having an astro the seven-day week having no astronomical basis, is a purely arbitrary invention. See, it's not an arbitrary invention. He doesn't know what he's talking about. The reason why it's seven is because it divides the month into four equal parts. Any thoughts? No. In other words, it is a projection of a psychic image. 
Ancient Rome had an eight-day cycle, but the seven-day week became established throughout the empire about the beginning of our era, perhaps influenced by the seven-day week of the Jews. The the wavering between seven and eight is analogous to that between three and four. And that is interesting because the seven and eight and three and four, yeah, the the third quadrant and the fourth quadrant. And seven and eight is the third quadrant and the fourth quadrant of the second quadrant. It is characteristic of individuation symbolism. Perhaps it is significant that our era opted for the dynamic number seven rather than the static number eight. The seven-day week became the temporal embodiment of the seven planetary deities, each having a sacred day. Sunday, sun. Monday, moon. Tuesday, Mars. Wednesday, Mercury. Thursday, Jupiter. Friday, Venus. Saturday, Saturn. Hey, thus? No. Uh... Quick question: though. What's the meaning when when he says in the Bible, "Yet make your yes and no, and your no a yes"? Like any thoughts on that? Yeah, don't give reasons or explanations or try to prove that you're right. Just say, just make your statement. The fact that the Jewish Sabbath fell on Saturday led to the idea of certain Gnostics that Yahweh was synonymous with Saturn in ancient Israel. Willful Sabbath-breaking was a capital offense. Numbers 15, 32 to 36. The day itself was a container for the sacred essence of Yahweh, a temporal version of the Ark of the Covenant. This institution established decisively the prerogative. This institution established decisively the prerogatives of the sacred, transpersonal dimension of the psyche, over and against secular pursuits. The word Sabbath means... Hey, does it? So do you think that there's like an archetypal aspect of like, you know, one man with four women because it's the idea of like, maybe there is like an archetypal masculine, male, female in that, you know, in terms of the genes that one man can spread his genes to four women, but four women, you know, they, they can't get their, they, they can't have so many children. They can only get it from that one man. You know, a man can spread his genes to like a thousand women if he wants, but a woman can only get one baby every, every nine months. Like any thoughts on that? So, so the idea is like, is there some sort of archetypal aspect of that? Like, where, like, a, a, where like a man will, will not be as attracted to a woman if she has many lovers, but a woman would be more attracted to t- attracted to a man if he has many lovers, because because of that genetic aspect, or, you know, ar- maybe it's archetypal though. Like, any thoughts on that? Well, I don't know whether it has anything to do with being archetypal. I, I don't know. But do you think that's true? It's a cease. Not not archetypal, but that that, that the woman would be more attracted if, if a man has many women. Like it does. Well, again, I always hesitate making gross. Yeah, I, I say I say it's it's not that it's, it's the swag flow. That's what the, you know. Any thoughts on that? That's what they look for. It's, it's the flow, the swag flow, the way you move. Like any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, everybody's enamored by the flow. Yeah, any thoughts on that? Or to rest. According to the usual interpretation, the Sabbath was meant as a blessing to man. <clears throat> However, Yastro has demonstrated that, quote, the Hebrew Sabbath was originally a day of propitiation, like the Babylonian Sabbatum, American Journal of Theology, 2, 312 to 52. He argues that the restrictive measures in the Hebrew laws 
for the observation of the Sabbath arose from the original conception of the Sabbath as an unfavorable day, a day in which the anger of Yahweh might flash forth against men. Although orthodox commentators object to this observation, the practice of executing those who declined the practice of executing those who declined the blessings of the Sabbath does lend itself to the idea that the anger of Yahweh did flash forth against men on that day. Christ took a more lenient attitude toward the Sabbath, claiming that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, Mark 2, 27, and that on the Sabbath, quote, my father goes on working and so do I, unquote, John 5, 17. The latter is a shocking remark to be made in ancient Israel, and the Pharisees were properly shocked. Such a statement can only be made by one who has an individual relation to the self. For such a person, the numinous content of the Sabbath has been internalized. What is a crime? What is a crime in a collective setting is permissible to the individual, providing he has sufficient consciousness. According to an according to an uncanonical source, Christ being a man working Christ seeing a man working on the Sabbath, said to him, quote, Man, if indeed thou knowest what thou doest, thou art blessed, but if thou knowest not, thou art cursed and a transgressor of the law. Jung says about this saying, it might be well it might well be the motto for a new morality. Honor, or I'm sorry, five. Uh, this is where my self hypnosis comes in. My eyes start to cross. <laughs> Five, honor your father and your mother. As so what do you think would be better to say? I, you know, I don't like, or, you know, you have a bad attitude. I don't like your attitude. Or, um, or it appears that your attitude is negative. Like, any thoughts? Well, the, 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 the least personal would be to say that's a bad attitude that's an expression of a bad attitude why not i don't like your attitude think about i don't like because because someone could argue with that and say no that's not true that's not an expression of that but if you say i don't like your attitude then you're saying well that's my opinion i don't like it but that doesn't mean that that i'm not the arbiter of what's an expression of what you know what i mean any thoughts yeah that that appears to be a bad attitude no, but, but, but again, then someone could argue, but, but if you say, you know, this is what some people say, they say, you know, you're doing it the opposite of what some, a lot of people teach, a lot of psychologists and stuff. A lot of psychologists and stuff, even teachers will, will teach, say, I feel like you are being mean. Instead of saying, it, it appears that that's an expression of being mean, because someone could, someone could argue with that. It's, no, that's not an expression of being mean. But if you say, I feel like you are being mean, then how can he say, well, I'm not, you could say, I'm not being mean, but, but you, but that's not what I said. I said, I feel like that. That's based off of my interpretation. So whether I, you are or not, that's how I feel. Any thoughts on that? Well, who the, who the hell cares what I feel? Well, you, people would, should care what you feel because that's what you feel. Whether, whether it is like, that's an expression, if, if, if you feel like well, you're mean, huh? I mean, because because we're living in in a, in, a, in a world where people care, where people's feelings affect things. I don't care what I I don't care whether people understand what I think or what I feel. I don't care. 
can feel whatever they want to feel. Yeah, but what I'm saying is what, what someone feels is important. It, it affects reality. So if you say like, you know, if, if someone feels like you're doing something that's inappropriate, then you should probably care what they feel. And, and whether, if, if they say, well, you are doing something that's an, it's an expression of doing something inappropriate, that's, that's an opinion. But we don't, really, we don't really know what the truth is. But we do know that someone's feeling that. You know, that, that's the difference. You see, who, the, who the hell cares whether you're feeling it or not? Well, I would say I that, just, that, that you I should care more about what someone's feeling. Because, because that's I'm all just, that we really I'm know. Saying, all that we really I'm know. Just saying, listen. I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that if I say that appears to be, of course that's my opinion. That appears to me to be. No, I no. don't have to emphasize that. That it appears to me. Or you say, I think. I think that you are being mean is probably better than saying it's an expression of you being mean, right there. It's an expression of dual. But or, 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 I think that that's an expression of dualistic software. You can say that. I think that's an expression rather than that's an expression of dualistic software. Because then you acting like you know what the truth is. That's an expression rather than I think that's an expression of dual. Because well, any, any thoughts on that? You can do whatever you want. No, but but, but you would say that's more you, you you would say that's more personal and that's more dualistic, right? Yes. But but what I would say though too is all that we know we don't know what what the truth is, but we do know what pe that people are at least I know that I'm thinking and that I'm feeling. I don't know if there's any external reality. I can't be sure, but I do know that I'm thinking and feeling. I can't deny that. I'm feeling that I'm feeling and thinking. So who the, so who the hell cares? What do you mean? Who the hell cares? That that could be the only thing that you really know. So of course you would care. You don't know that that there's any external. I don't know that you even exist. But I know that I think something and I know that I feel something. <coughs> I don't know that th that there's even a, a lamp right there. But I know that I that I think that there's a lamp right there. I know that I'm perceiving a lamp right there. I know that I'm sensing it. So you can say, I perceive that that's dualistic consciousness, or that's what I think. But whether it is or not. I don't know because I don't even know if you have a consciousness. I can't be the arbiter to say that's an expression of dualistic consciousness. Like, hold on a second. Any thoughts? I didn't say that is. I said that appears to be. Hold on. You got that? Hey, what's up, man? I was running these. Yo, what's good? How's it going? I'm good. Where you at? Uh, I'm in my apartment. Uh, yo, um, do you think you could help me out today? Um, I'm thinking of uh, going to Utah. You know, Francisco. Okay. Francisco said that he, there's only room for one bed, though. Oh, right now. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking. When? I'm thinking today. Today, what time? I don't know. I'm thinking like tonight, maybe, or I'm I'm not sure. If yeah. Okay. Well. Um... <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm starting to I'm I'm starting to invest into cryptocurrency and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, investment group that I got got me a laptop. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I, I so I to go pick the laptop up and a couple of things. So I was wondering if uh, you could help me out with that. Uh, I think that I'm gonna be like just preparing to go probably today. But yeah. oh, okay, yeah. and you should. Why don't you? Yo, you're a fucking genius. Can you start researching into cryptocurrency? Yeah, I do actually want to research into that. Can you 
please? Yeah, I'll, I'll start doing that for sure. I'll I'll send you. All right. So this is all right. So this is this is what I'm gonna do. Cause you're a fucking genius, Ryan. I don't I don't know about that, but no, you're a fucking genius, Ryan. You're you're a genius when you need to be, and then of course like you forget about everything else on the side. Because <laughs> yeah. you're just so geniusy on that one genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you go to the next one. Yeah. So why don't this is how. So, all right. So let's make a let's 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 make a uh, we're gonna make a pack right now and like a group and we're gonna we're gonna for, this is how we're gonna get your your um your quadro model, all right? Yeah. All right. So you start doing research on cryptocurrency. Mm. Well, fully understand how it works <laughs> and what's going on and everything of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then also while you're doing that, also. See if the quadro model is affected in there too. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. I'll definitely right. do that. I'm thinking of actually when I'm driving, probably onto that on that trip, I'll, I'll look into it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll, hold I'll on. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some of the um, the key startups and stuff. All right, cool man. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna send it to you. So look, like, don't like. Uh, I mean, I, you know how you know how to research things, but uh, yeah, just just uh, if you can research it for me please this is also gonna help me too so you can understand like how the fuck what it, it is yeah you know what i mean and then because i'm sure that there's a kaja model in there somewhere yeah probably probably yeah because you said it's a it's it's yeah. likely it, it's you not it's, reality everywhere so what if anywhere, yeah. no, right, this is popping my head what if your quadra model reality is can help this it's possible so yeah i'll look into it uh-huh. Yo, but all I ask is for me bringing this idea is for you to share that at least with me. Yeah, share share what I discover with it. Y- yeah, to help me understand cryptocurrency, because I know you you're good at explaining things and researching things to help me understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So on the on this car ride, I'm gonna download an audio book on on cryptocurrency and I'll try to figure wait, it out. Wait, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, before you do, before you don't just download. I'm gonna send you. I'll I'll be sending you like video i mean yeah do do yeah do whatever you yeah do whatever you do for your uh research okay yeah um and then i'm gonna send you i'm gonna send you youtube this youtube person that my um crypto homies sent me i'm gonna send you that um all right cool cool and then, yeah start researching that uh what was i gonna say yeah start researching that the thing is so i'm gonna i'm gonna start my crypto I'm gonna start my crypto investment, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm getting my laptop. I'm gonna start soon. But like, this just popped in my head. Like, yo, start to do this. This is how we're gonna get. You. If you really want your quadro model to get out there, yeah. I mean, this is how we can we can use this to. Do you know what I mean? We can use this as a first step. Yeah, I'll look into it. Do you understand why how we can use it for, as a first step? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can imagine if, like, if I discovered some, you know, thing about this crypto stuff and it helps to make money off of it. I mean, I doubt it. I mean, it's it's not it's not for certain, but I'll look yo, into it. Yo, yo, I don't I don't know why, Ryan, but I just have a this just came to me. You know, this is a download. Mm-hmm. So don't say I doubt it. Because this is your quad the quadro yeah, it's, model it's possible. reality, right? Yeah, it's possible. It's, right, it's, it's right. Not, this it's, is what you've been telling me. This is what you. Yeah, want but for. but the, the the only thing is like there's cer- certain things like for for instance, if this cryptocurrency isn't even that good of a thing, 
then maybe it doesn't have a, a quadrant aspect and maybe it's going to fall apart and it's not going to yo, 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 listen. What, what's weird, what's it, I, I think the research, the, the idea is to look at this as like, if, because remember you, when you were looking for the quadrant model, when you were, yeah. you didn't know it was there. You know what I mean? You yeah. just like found it. And then you like see it in all these different things where you get deep into it. Yeah. So, um, I just asked myself, I asked, and it's like, yes, there is a quadrant model in there. You must find it. Yeah, and, and plus, I think it's a good idea because, like, let's say that cryptocurrency does get big, and I, regardless that there is a quadrant stuff in this example, which exactly. there might be, at least at least I'm gonna have some uh, yeah. be able to to utilize that. So yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And 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 then and then I was gonna tell you this also, Ryan. So also, um, on the side of that, um, my roommate is a crypto god, right? And he makes man money in crypto. Mm -hmm. So while you're researching. Because you know, you, you know how I always talk about like the experiment researching and understanding the book value and then like having experiences, yeah. So while you're researching, my roommate actually he's like rich off of cryptocurrency and that's like makes his money and he's gonna show me how it goes at the same time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so we'll be able to match up your research and what your theories are to what actually is going on. All right, sweet. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do that. You understand? Yeah, yeah. On, the, on this car ride, I'm gonna I'm I'm look into it. I'm also gonna look into stocks and stuff too, because I always wanted to. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait, stocks. Wait, wait for, wait for stocks. Yeah. Just focus on the cryptocurrency right now first. All right. Sounds good, man. Oh, can you do both? I'll do both. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I, all right, yeah, both. Explain to me both too, then. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, because I, I want to figure it out too. mostly on the cryptocurrency, though. Crypto, I'm telling you, like, stocks is the past. Yeah. Did you see Ready Player One? Yeah, I'm hearing people say, I, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about the crypto yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, yo, listen, listen. So, Occupy Wall Street, right? Occupy Wall Street is why I ended up in this whole festival scene. Occupy Wall Street was to the death of capitalism. They were like, no, Occupy Wall Street, right? Boom, 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 boom. That's when I, that was like a 2001 when Silk Road was around, when Bitcoin first came out. Everybody has been saying that since that year, everybody has been like, invest, 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 invest. And nobody has. And now all of a sudden, everyone is still doing it. People who are investing just right now are still making millions. So imagine how much money people were making in 2001. Yeah. With Bitcoin. There was a Bitcoin. The Bitcoin was like $400. Yeah. It's $40,000 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you gotta understand the crypto. All right, yeah, I'll figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. All right, bro. Um, I'm gonna send you the things I hollered you. All right, cool. Talk later. Bye. Right. Any thoughts, Gamber? No. All right. Way your God has commanded you, so that you may have long life and may prosper in the land that Yahweh your God gives to you. Understood psychologically, this commandment enjoys enjoys respect for the archetypal images of father and mother wherever they may manifest. They connect us with our roots and origins and remind the ego that it is only a twig on the tree of life. Yahweh indicates that his power stands behind these images and connection with them is connection with life and prosperity. Dependent neurotics may misuse this passage. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Dependent neurotics may misuse this passage to justify regression dependence on their personal parents. Six, 
you shall not kill. Dreams of killing usually refer to repression, the denial of the right of the psychic content to exist in consciousness. While necessary and inevitable in the early stages of development, in the process of individuation it is a crime against wholeness and is appropriately accompanied by guilt. Occasionally, dreams of killing have another meaning. They then have the quality of a necessary crime, which is at the same time a sacrifice. Jung's dream of killing Siegfried belongs to this category. 7. You shall not commit adultery. What Yahweh means by adultery is indicated in Jeremiah 13, 27, where he, berate, where he berates Israel for her whoredom with false gods. Oh, you adulteries, you shrieks, your shrieks of pleasure, your vile prostitution. On the hills in the countryside, I have seen your abominations. Woe to you, Jerusalem, unclean still. How much longer will you go on like this? According to his entomology, adultery is a process of adulterating, adulterer, from add plus alter other different it means to mix or dilute hey that's no a valuable material with something spurious or inferior it is a crime against the marriage contract psychologically this refers to a violation of the conjunctio adultery is possible only when one is married and is after one has experienced the marriage of the opposites and its commitment and is committed to the realization of wholeness Psychological adultery is a violation of one's highest perceived value, a regressive backsliding. 8. You shall not steal. This commandment is based on the distinction between what belongs to oneself and what belongs to another. Psychologically, this is the distinction between the ego and the non-ego, or self. Dreams of stealing often refer to the ego's appropriation of what does not belong to it, a presumptuous identification with the self, which initiates punitive action from the self. However, sometimes a dream of stealing falls into the into the category of a necessary crime. According to myth, Garden of Eden, Prometheus, etc., the beginning of ego consciousness is based on theft. <clears throat> okay, we have one more page. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The neighbor signifies the shadow. Man is required to be honest about the shadow. It does. No. To me, I, th I think that he's over spiritualizing that. I think that like that's actually literal too. Like, yeah, don't bear false witness, you know, all that stuff. But and also, I think that the that those commandments are like, if you're in the flow, you won't do that. You know, ain't does. Yeah, I think that's it. False witness would deny its existence by projecting it. The breaker of this commandment says, "I am good. The source of evil is to be found in others, not me." Thus, the psychological atmosphere is polluted by false witness. This is another commandment that is necessarily broken in the early phases of ego development. In the beginning, the shadow must be denied in order to allow the ego to crystallize. 10. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your heart on his house, his field, his servant, man or woman, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is his. This commandment is the crown of the Decalogue. If not only it not only forbids taking what is not yours, but also forbids wanting what is not yours, it radically challenges the basic propensity of the natural man, desirousness itself. The effect is to split the psyche into two poles, nature and spirit, which is a prerequisite for consciousness. Since all men are desirous, that being the nature of the primordial psyche, this commandment makes all men sinners in conflict and thus in need of redemption. The Apostle Paul expresses it trenchantly, quote, I should not have known what the sin was except for the law. I should not, for instance, I should not, for instance, have known what it means to covet 
if the law had not said you shall not covet. But it was this commandment that hey, that's... sin took advantage of to produce of all kind to produce all kinds of covetousness in me. For when there is no law, sin is dead. Once when there was no law, I was alive. But when the commandment came, sin came to life, and I died. The commandment was meant to lead me to life, but it turned out to mean death for me. Perhaps sin took advantage of the commandment to mislead me, and so sin, <clears throat> because the, because sin took advantage of the commandment to mislead me, and so sin, throughout that commandment, killed, through that commandment, killed me. Romans seven seven through eleven. What do you think about that, ain't that? interesting it's like well i know that that that's what the rabbi was saying about the like garden of eden too that you know that god said you can eat from any fruit except for that fruit right there and and what did they do they ate from that fruit and he said because it was inaccessible you know that they increased the desire like what is that you know But, but what's interesting is that like my, my mom and dad never were against me drinking alcohol and doing drugs. And I never drank alcohol and did drugs. I wonder if my mom and dad were like, hey, Ryan, never drink alcohol and never do drugs. I wonder if I would have. I don't know. But just because I'm an INTP and they say that they don't like drugs and stuff as much because they, they, because they lose control easier. But what do you think? Any thoughts? No, that's a good question. Yeah. It doesn't? <laughs> but I do have a problem with porn, which I'm going to try to work on, but I didn't thoughts it. No. And I don't think I read it well, so I'm going to read it once more. Quote, I should, not have, I should not have known what sin was except for the law. I should not, for instance, have known what it means to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But it was this commandment that sin took advantage of to produce all kinds of covetousness in me. For when there is no law, sin is dead. Once, when there was no law, I was alive, but when the commandment came, sin came to life, and I died. Like, I wonder, I wonder if when you were telling me, like, you know, that porn is self-confirmatory and all that stuff, if it, and all that, maybe that made me want it more. Maybe if you would have never said all that, like, any thoughts? Uh, I doubt it. Commandment was meant to lead me to life, but it turned out to mean death for me, because sin took advantage of the commandment to mislead me, and so sin, through that commandment, killed me. Romans 7, 7 through 11. <clears throat> the commandment against sin, desirousness, creates sin by the separation of the opposites. The commandment established a separate, I'm sorry, the commandment established, the commandment establishes a spiritual counterpole to nature whereby the latter can be judged as bad. The psychological implications of this commandment are immense. It, it deposits in the human psyche the conflict of the opposites, which belong to God. This is the beginning of God's incarnation in man. Man is required to transform through consciousness the primal energies that flow through God unchecked. God permits himself jealousy, desirousness, 
violence, and slaughter. But for man, these are sin. The Ten Commandments thus become an instrument for the transformation of God incarnated in man. <clears throat> okay, so that is chapter 6. I've been reading from the Bible and the Psyche, Individuation, Symbolism in the Old Testament by Edward F. Edinger. <clears throat> Tomorrow I will be reading chapter 7, which is called Joshua, Joshua Gideon, Samson. Um, yeah, any, any uh, thoughts, Gamer? So, so do you think that that's you think that's true about that? What you saying about the sin and everything? So, so it's best to not have any laws or what? You can serve table side, outside, in line. You hear me, Grandpa? Well, yeah. You see, see, the the issue is whether the person interprets it as saying as thinking you're saying it's wrong and bad, and you're bad if you do it, as it were against it's um, it it it'll be destructive. There. Are, it's, not, it's neither good nor bad, and there are consequences. So it's hard for people to understand that that's what is being said. It's neither good nor bad, and there are consequences. That's different than saying it's bad, so don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it doesn't. All right. Okay. I think it.